Welcome in to another edition of Divorce Force Podcast. My name is Adam, and I'm very excited to introduce our next guest. He handles the corporate partnerships for the Washington Spirit. Please welcome Patrick Nightingale, everybody. Hey, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah, man. excited to have you on the pod. And um, yeah, man, it, it's good things for, you know, the Washington Spirit. I know I had uh, Brianna Wise on as well. Uh, but I, I always like to ask uh, this to start off, um, you know, you were working outside of sports before you got to the spirit. So how did you get the opportunity to work with the spirit uh, back in 09 or 2019? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's a great question. So, you know, I spent some time before this working, um, working with offshore content development teams, primarily in India and the Philippines. So, you know, wow. working, yeah, yeah. And then you're having different levels of communication there, a lot through web chat, a lot through, and, you know, this was during the Skype for business days. So it wasn't as easy <laughs> as popping up a, you know, a Zoom link really. Quickly. You pretty much had to have these things pre, you know, pre-designed, had the environment kind of sanitized for that, especially when you're talking at such great distances. Um, you know, I spent about four or five years doing that, Adam, you know, content development, worked with a lot of nonprofit organizations. That was like e-learning, um, you know, which is definitely still a direction that I think we're going as a, as a country just in general. And then, you know, a lot of app development too. And then I kind of segued into the government uh, contracting space, working with the FBI, the CIA, you know, a few different DOJ uh, firms, as well as the Navy and the Army on, you know, various proposals. Uh, you know, going into um, government contracts. So being that QBase is also a business owned and managed by Steve Baldwin or less so managed now, uh, that's, the, that's the business that I came from. I've known Steve Baldwin, uh, you know, the majority owner of the team for, gosh, I think he probably held me as a baby, Adam, to be honest. With you. I've, known <laughs> for, I've known him for a long time. He probably even introduced my mom and dad to each other too, uh, you know, ironically. So I've known this guy for a long time and every bit of success that this organization has experienced has been directly attributed to him. Um, he invested not only uh, financially, but his time and his effort, uh, along with still having managerial responsibility at QBase. So, you know, you can imagine that he needed help and he needed business minded people to kind of be a part of what he's trying to build here. And that's kind of where, uh, he sold me on the idea. I had two sisters that played college soccer. So, um, you know, the women's game has always been a lot more attractive to me than the men's game has, to be completely honest with you. So um, I think it embodies more of a physical, uh, you know, the, from a physical standpoint, there's a lot more physicality in that game. And, um, you know, it's, 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 I think it's, it's coming and it's coming fast. Yeah. I love that. And, and, what I like about your background is that you have, you know, you just don't have sports experience. You had that business background. Uh, so talk about, you know, when you were going to school and that ability to not only have, you know, sports experience, obviously you've been a basketball coach. Um, you've had experience with that um, being also a referee. So talk about the combination uh, with yeah. sports and business and kind of marrying the two and having just both experiences? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so 
you know, I've been a sportsaholic since I was a kid. I played baseball and basketball, golf primarily growing up. So I actually didn't <laughs> play soccer. In fact, I, you know, I was, I was no good when I played like, you know, youth soccer for a couple of years. I was like, dad, just, you know, my feet aren't quick enough. I, it's just <laughs> not for me. Fortunately, my sister's got all the tools with that stuff. So they, they are very quick. They're lighter on their feet than I am. And just generally, <laughs> generally as, as, you know, as far as comparison goes, like I said, they got all the athletic ability. Um, now, you know, I did, I, I was all district in baseball when I was in high school. You know, I was, I was a pretty good player myself, but really my, my first experience aside from youth sports was really being a basketball official. And I ref for the better part of eight to nine years. And I tell you, you grow up very fast being an official at the youth level <laughs> in the DMV. Um, you have to interface with parents at, um, at a very high level and in a very mature way. And like I said, that, that made me very comfortable having conversations really with, you know, with anyone. And that, and that carried over into college. Now, I had some opportunities to play college, uh, you know, baseball at the Division three, maybe even Division two level too. But uh, I went to CNU because I liked, uh, I liked the school. I think now, given, you know, 10 years, 10 years ago, the school was up and coming. Now, I believe that school is here. Um, and it's very, very popular. A lot of kids from Northern Virginia have gone down there. Um, and it's a nice part of the state too. But Aside from that, I've been into, you know, I'm a big uh, Pittsburgh sports fan too, you know, big, you know, believer in what the DMV area does at the youth sports level. And, <laughs> you know, that kind of, inter, you know, interrelates with what I did with, you know, refing and officiating is that, you know, the financial, the, you know, the household media, the median household income in this area is higher than it is pretty much anywhere throughout the country, aside from big cities like New York and um, <laughs> you know, parts of LA. Yep. So the investment in youth sports is here. Now, for me, it's always been, the investment has been there at, at the youth level. And it's not just here, Adam, it's in, it's in places in like Nashville, it's in small towns in South Carolina. Youth soccer for women is just gigantic. And it's a, and it's something where we, we weren't getting those players from the youth level to the pros in, a, in the same way that, or the same opportunity level that, that men were getting um, because the infrastructure wasn't in place. But I think we're doing so now. We're getting big youth organizations that are tied with each individual NWSL franchise. And we're bringing in kids at a younger age. I mean, we just drafted Trinity Robin. Um, and, you know, we drafted her and, you know, essentially convinced her not to go to Washington State. So that was big. Um, you know, for the sport. And we're going to see more of that because these kids are ready, especially the American kids. They are ready at 17, 18, um, you know, to compete at the highest level. And, you know, that's what we're trying to do. And so, look, I've, I, I come from a time where I've seen that, you know, up close and personal. I ref a ton of basketball. You can see athletes at the youth level, I think, at a, at a high degree. But, um, you know, I've always had the ability to interface at a high level you know, in a mature way with, you know, parents, business leaders. And I think that's two competencies that I can bring. And that I have been bringing to the spirit through a lot of the great stuff that we've done over the past year plus that I've been here. For sure. And talk the, talk about the importance of growing the game mm -hmm. of soccer on the youth level and how important is that to grow both the men's and women's game through grassroots efforts and in initiatives. Yeah. 
So you're right. Um, D.C. is in a great spot as far as youth soccer goes. There is huge amounts of money, huge amounts of participation at the, <laughs> at the local level. Where we need to step up is across the Midwest is um you know in the south a lot of those kids play just different sports down there it's a lot more male dominated i think south of you know richmond just with sports in general but the men's and women's game is growing you're seeing young american stars like pulisic and reina who are playing overseas now um and really you know for the men's game here if you're at the top of your game you're playing in europe you know somewhere we want to make it so if an American woman is at the top of her game, you know, be it Trinity Rodman, we don't want them to go to Europe. We want them to play right here and we want them supported here. Um, and we want that to be the concept internationally too, Adam, like with, you know, we've got two Japanese players who are working on opportunities with the Japanese embassy um, to do some promotion that really speak to aspects larger than, you know, just, interest in women's soccer it's international relations that our players are playing a role in now um and truly it's a you know it's an opportunity that i'm glad i you know really took a jump for over a year ago but um you know like i said youth participation here in this area is great we need it more in other parts of the country but it's really it's really dumping that triangle upside down and you know turning it into more of a square where we've got the same level of participation at the top that we do the bottom and that's what that's the goal that we have as an organization is to create more of that give more opportunities um and really attract corporate revenue to a sport that's growing and and really just has to capture a very small corner of the market to be successful for sure and I, yeah i couldn't say anybody you hit the nail on the head there um so talk about your time at university what was your plan going in? And did you always have that feeling that you would want to work in sports, you know, full time for an organization down the road? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, I think I think deep in my heart, uh, I probably did at, at all times know that that my true passion was sports. But, you know, I had um, you know, I was very confident in myself um, and. <laughs> And I knew that I could, you know, I could excel in different areas. Um, so I was willing to throw my hat into a ring that I was unfamiliar with. And that's where, you know, really, I, and, and I had a huge, I was a very proud kid. I, I wanted to accomplish a lot of stuff myself. I think, you know, role models for me, like Steve, my dad, have been very successful doing what they've done in the government contracting space, have managed, bought, purchased, and sold you know, uh, multiple small businesses over the course of the past <laughs> 20 years. Um, so I wanted to blaze my own trail as a result. And I was able to find success in a different industry and rose up to the director level, but it wasn't, it wasn't fulfilling for me um, or nowhere near as fulfilling as really doing the day-to-day -day activity that is needed um, for this, because it's a grind. I mean, really, it's on people like me to attract corporate donations and corporate dollars to, um, you know, really to an under um, an underappreciated sport in the American industry. And that's, um, you know, women's soccer, like I said, when, you know, we've, you know, we're lucky. Um, a lot of people that watch football watch our sport because of the physical nature of it. And I think that's something that we can capitalize on going forward. But um you know, to kind of answer your question, Adam, in a 
in you know one or two sentences i'll say that i i always had a passion in sports i think deep in my heart that's probably what i should have been doing from day one but i was you know i was a very confident kid and i wanted to i wanted to accomplish things outside of what i knew i could you know provide tangible accomplishments if that makes sense it was kind of more of a test of myself yeah and i love that and how did you make sure to stay focused and accomplish things that were, you know, you wanted to get to that point where you were working in sports, but along the way, you made sure that you were able to contribute at a lot, at a high level, no matter where you were. Yeah. Um, you know, that's really more of a competitive nature just in each person. I think you know, <laughs> stuff like that can't be taught. It really you have to want to be successful. You have to want to win. You have to want to make yourself better in every capacity. Um, and if you're not, then you're really not doing yourself or the people around you much justice. And, and you're really not helping them be better too. Um, for me, it's always been a team. You know, it's like if the team wins, I win. Um, and if the team loses, I lose. And at the end of the day, you know, when you get in the corporate world and you start having these meetings and conversations, it really resonates that, that there is, that is 100% true. If the team's not successful, then that portion of the business can just be sliced off like a piece of cake and then discarded, um, you know, and that's, you know, and I've experienced that and I, and, you know, so really the principles that you learn in sports uh, really translate over, but really I think people are born with that competitive nature um, and, and it's something that, you know, you can learn and maybe, but you really got to be at the core you know, especially working in, in, in women's sports, um, you know, where there really hasn't been a ton of success over the course of the last 50 years in improvement. Um, and really, if we want to get that graph and that trajectory more pointed north, um, you know, up, then we need to work our butts off to, you know, have a lot of these companies understand that we had 20,000 people, you know, butts and seats at a game, you know, not uh, this past year because there was COVID in the pandemic, but the year before. And there's your market right there. You get that almost every game. Then all of a sudden you're a threat to all the other professional teams in the area, not just seen as a threat, but seen as an equal too, which I think at the end of the day, that's what we're trying to accomplish. For sure. And as you attract uh, more sponsors to the women's game, what is that like and what is that conversation like uh, for a business, you know, wanting to be sponsored with the women's game? Obviously, mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure the corporate partnerships team, you guys, there's a lot of uh, teams or companies that want sponsorship slots. So how do you manage that? And what's the conversation like, uh, you know, to for them to run a pitch or, mm -hmm. you know, be that final process to sign on the dotted line saying we want to work with this organization. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. So, you know, really I'll be quite frank with you. You know, I think in the past until we've seen some momentum recently um, and, and really I think the tide started turning at them uh, was when the LA team announced their ownership group and that included names like Serena Williams, Natalie <laughs> Portman, Jessica Chastain, names that were recognizable. Okay. And that provided a model for what, um, you know, for what a lot of the organizations in, in the NWSL are doing, um, you know, and going to be doing, I think, for the next for the next year or so is really buffing up this ownership group. We need money uh, to be sustainable. Um, and, 
that is a big part of corporations, but it's also a big part of the connections from a, you know, from another sense that, that get you those meetings and get you those introductions into C-level or executives in, in, in uh, you know, in these companies. And really, you get someone on there uh, or, you know, in, in an organization that's a champion for you or believes in what, in the message you're trying to, you know, push out there, or maybe it could just be as simple as Adam is having a daughter that plays soccer in the DC area. Um, and then wanting to see their daughter's dream, you know, become a reality and have a league that's sustainable. That's got 30 teams and, you know, uh, all places across, you know, the country, um, you know, this, this, this league is growing. Um, and that's a result of corporate dollars being directed here to where they were previously being directed to male dominated, uh, like baseball, football, basketball. But for us, you know, we've got companies who are interested, but really at the end of the day, you know, I think it's, it's very easy to go out there with a mouthpiece or, you know, a speakerphone and say, um, or, or a, a megaphone is what I was looking for, and say, hey, we support women, we support what uh, women are doing, but really that support needs to be quantified um, to be supporting them financially as well as supporting them, you know, vocally too. And, and, and at the end of the day, we want a lot of these organizations to not just say it, but, you know, put, you know, with, with a lack of a better way of saying it, Adam, it's really put, put the money where their mouth is. Um, and, and really take a hand and have a hand in helping uh, women's sports grow to the point where they are in, you know, some of these places in uh, Europe, um, you know, where, you know, there's a lot more funding, like what Barclays is doing with, you know, the women's side of the Premier League and, you know, et cetera. And that's where we want to be the Premier League in the entire world from a women's sports perspective. And we're taking strides in doing that, without a doubt. But like I said, at the end of the day, it's going to come down to participation and investment from corporations. And those conversations are fine, uh, you know, to have. And really, they are very pleasant because people usually, if they're going to get on the phone with us, they understand and they support at least philosophically what we're trying to achieve. But it's more than that. Um, we, we, we can't achieve what we're trying to do without, you know, without money. At the end of the day, that's what we need. And whether that happens and comes in addition to our ownership group is one thing, or whether that comes with, with additions to our suite of sponsors, that's another. And we don't really care. But at the end of the day, that's what's needed, and that's where the emphasis is and, and where it's going to be for us going forward. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, you said, you said it uh, right there where um, it's not just supporting the team and and wanting the engagement of a sponsorship, but it's also participating and actively helping for a bigger right. cause um, for the women's game. So talk about the activation piece and how how do you know some of your sponsors marry the two and have helped you know the women's grow and and past. Yeah. Um, so where the focus is, is that there's ways to support youth soccer, youth women's soccer in this area, too, in cooperation with what we do. We do events um, and support events, you know, like Girls on the Run or get our players out to, you know, local stores to attract customers. And, you know, a lot of that has been reduced significantly, you know, given that, uh, you know, COVID has, you know, extremely restricted the amount of uh, you know correspondence people can have face to face. <laughs> However, 
there's an interest in these in these players, you know, more than anything I've seen. Um, you know, and 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 I'm very pleased that we decided to move the organization to Northern Virginia, where I think from a financial perspective, the footprint is larger in this area than it was in Germantown specifically. Um, there's a lot of economic opportunity for them. There's a lot of growth potential in Northern Virginia. And as you've seen, there's been overtures from, you know, even the Washington Nationals to move to Northern Virginia. And, you know, that's where the Redskins train. And that's who we're currently training with as we speak. Um, so that's where we wanted to be considered an association. We wanted to work with the local Loudoun and Fairfax County Chambers uh, of, of Commerce. And we wanted to get our players out and have opportunities in Northern Virginia to take advantage of the economic footprint that's here. Um, you know, furthermore though, um, you know, like uh, you and I have always said is that, you know, we need, you know, we need along with butts and seats, which we all know, we need investment of people's time and energy. And that, and that doesn't just have to be donations, sponsorship. That could be a, a cooperative, uh, initiative that gives you know resources and funds back to the youth groups in the area that extremely you know are extremely underfunded and need it more so than us. So there's ways that we can engage with the local audience through our partnerships. We've got 40 signed partnerships with youth clubs. Um, that's how we give back. We interface with them. We work with them. We do training sessions. We do you know. Uh, sponsored engagements where we open up practice where people can see and sit there and watch us and have coaches come in for seminars. So really it's, you know, in giving back, we can create really a double positive for not just us, but for the community as a whole too. Yeah, for sure. And, and talk about, you know, the ability to, you know, communicate, you know, with sponsors through, you know, the, the grassroots level and having that impact not only in the D.C. area, but the Virginia uh, area as well. Yeah. So we interface a ton. We go to a ton of chamber events, um, and we are doing that a lot before. It's a lot of LinkedIn connecting for me, Adam. It's a lot of prospecting. It's a lot of getting out there, getting introductions, asking for referrals to people that other people know. It's you know, me going through some local insurance agent to get the managing partner for the entire area to get him interested and get him to a game and, you know, find out if he's got a daughter that plays soccer. I mean, that's where, you know, truly it's just connecting and using the existing connections we have. He's been living in this area for a long time. I've been in this area for a long time. Our investor group has been in the area for a long time. There's connections we have and warm introductions that we can gain using those, uh, you know, the uh, inroads that, um, you know, Steve and Michelle Kang have, have made in, you know, the government space and healthcare IT and defense IT and working with the DOD. Um, truly, you know, we've got a ton of internal connections and we've ingratiated ourselves with the other pro teams in the area too, to want to help us out. I mean, if you've got a sponsor or a company that sponsors every local team in the area, then obviously we should be on that list. And, you know, given the access we've got to the market, the D.C. market, um, you know, given that our roots were initially in Maryland, we've got unfettered access at a level that the Washington football team can only really compare to us on. I mean, I, you know, it, it's 
you know, our ability to create engagement online and in the community is like nothing I've ever seen. And that at the end of the day gives me, gives me a ton of hope that we'll be able to create something great here. And we're in the process of doing so right now. Yeah, for sure. And um, also with, you know, being the DC United, you know, on the men's side, talk about how important it is for, you know, how unique that is to have, you know, that connection with them and how important is it to, you know, work with, them as well and have the connection to help you know grow the women's game yeah um so you know they've been huge and access to audi field because look we can't fit twenty thousand you know fans into uh, the maryland soccer plex or segra field so you know obviously we needed those doors open to accommodate all those people so it was huge um and that was a big part of what of what we wanted to do. We wanted to cut that deal with DC United to have access so we can really be talked about on the same wavelength. So people can make that association to us being a professional team, just like they already know that DC United is. So really it was symbolic uh, just as much as it was valuable to us from a financial perspective. I mean, we can sell more tickets now, you know, as long as we play, a certain amount of our games in Virginia as well as in DC, which is the intention this year, then, you know, we're good to go and we're connecting with people all over the area um, in ways that other teams have really not, you know, Um, if we're playing in Ashburn, Virginia, you know, or if, you know, take us back in time where we're playing games at the Maryland soccer plex in Germantown, no one is going to drive in this area, Adam, from Northern Virginia on a Wednesday night to go watch a game in Germantown, Maryland. They're just <laughs> not going to do it. And I don't blame them. There's too much traffic. It would take you two hours to get there and it would take you an hour to get back and you'd be in the car or in transit for longer than the actual event itself. But now we've brought the games to people in Loudoun and Fairfax counties where 60% of our tickets are sold. Um, we are bringing them the product that they want to see and, and that they've used their own dollars to express the willingness to want to see. So truly that's it. Um, you know, and that's, and that's where, and that's how we get people. That's how we engage with people at the local level is truly we brought the spirit to them. And that's through the partnership with DC United because they're, you know, USL team plays at Segra in Ashburn. So the partnership was huge and it was a game changer all the way around. Yeah, for sure. And how excited are you guys to have the training facility um, in, in Leesburg, uh, you know, under uh, construction and everything like that? Oh, it's huge. It's going to be gigantic. Um, you know, I think, I think for all parties involved and really it's like, you know, given where the players are going to be living for the most part, it's, you know, we're talking about a, you know, a quick commute made to be, um, you know, and that's where at the end of the day, we want, we want to make their lives easy. We want to make it accessible. We want to make it easy for them to get there. We want to make it easy for them to get, you know, care and wellness services like, you know, massage and, you know, have their bodies taken care of and really not have to sit in a car for 20 minutes and defeat the purpose of it getting there, you know? So <laughs> truly that there's a whole ecosystem to this that we're building. And that's part of that ecosystem is that we get that like access to that training facility. We get the access to a gym. We get access to our performance and recovery location. Um, I mean, truly, that's, that's, you know, that, you know, for us, it's, 
you know, taking care of the players, not just financially, which is what we're working on as we speak. Um, and I think with the NWSL kind of divorcing from U.S. soccer, I think that's the first step to getting unfettered, you know, salary cap, uh, you know, to this game, you know, to get it to a point where every player is making at least, you know, fifty, sixty thousand dollars the second they're walking through the door. Um, at the end of the day, that's the goal. I mean, that's what the Japanese league is doing. So we need to be out ahead of that. For sure. And and talk about, um, obviously, there's being strides made. Obviously, that's evident of what is going on in the women's game. But talk about, you know, why now? Um, why do you think there's that surge now? And why do you think it took so long to see this surge for the women's game? Yeah, that's, that's an excellent question. Um, and that's one that I'm fully prepared to answer given – <laughs> I mean, look, you know, we've, uh, you know, like I said, I've been seeing it come on for some time, Adam. I, I, I saw my sisters play um, and I saw that the men's game was really driving a ton of people away. I mean, football is king here in the U.S. It's, <laughs> it's going to be king. It, it, you know, it knocked baseball off that mantle, I want to say, 20 years ago um, and, and has not looked back. Women's soccer embodies a ton more of NFL and American football than any other sport that is played here. And I truly believe that. Um, the other sports I think are more like baseball and basketball are more akin to European soccer, where I think American women's soccer is like football. Um, <laughs> when they get knocked down, there's, there's no selling for calls. If, if they're down for more than about 30 seconds, they're actually hurt. Um, and when they get back up, they don't want to come out of the game and they want to get payback immediately. And that's what Americans want to see in sporting events. Um, like I said, 60% of our people watch, watch the NFL as well on Sundays. Um, that's a huge demographic. And that's a huge tell to me that, that my initial hypothesis is, is, is correct. Is that the American sports watching, you know, your standard viewer um, is male age 35, and watches two to three sports. Um, we've got the capability with the inroads that have been made in media, um, you know, to give people more avenues to watch and follow their favorite teams. That we've got the capability to be that force, that force sport right there. Um, and really, it also gives an opportunity for fathers and daughters to bond and connect, you know, also at another level. Because look, at the end of the day the women who play in this league are role models. I mean, we've got kids that went to Stanford, UCLA, UNC, Georgetown on our roster. I mean, you know, UVA. I mean, dude, it is – I mean, them interacting with people, kids and with adults, is like nothing I've ever seen. And, and, and truly, I think, I think we're starting to look more for our sports people to be role models. And truly – the women's soccer player, the professional women's soccer player in America embodies that and is truly, really the one taking that next step uh, to really furnish that dream, which is not only equal pay, but equal representation on the national stage. Um, you know, the CBS contract was huge for the league. We were a big part of that with the spirit um, in making that happen. You know, the contract with Twitch and Amazon is, is <laughs> gigantic. Um, Obviously, we want to do a ton of great stuff with esports and streaming and have our players do streaming and do weekly television shows featuring our players. I mean, we know that there is a lucrative 
uh, interest level for that. And uh, it's on us to make it happen and, and do the planning and do the correct level of marketing to execute that. Yeah, I love that. I mean, for those who aren't familiar with women's soccer, I mean, obviously the future is now. So talk about what you are most excited for over the next couple of years to see the evolution and the growth of the women's soccer. Yeah, I can tell you what what you're going to see. Uh, you're going to see expansion come to uh, cities in the Midwest, um, in particular Texas. You're going to see expansion. You're going to see big-name celebrities, uh, athletes, spouses of athletes, partners of athletes get involved uh, with this game and really have a hand in, in not only having it grow, but dictating how this sport will look in the future, too. Um, now, you know, I know that that doesn't mean Natalie Portman on the sidelines coaching the L.A. team, but that does bring a new clientele into the fold. It brings not just women, but it brings men who are familiar with, with you know, what those or that group in particular has done on the, on the big screen. Um, and that brings in local business to get behind an idea that is showing growth, financially stable growth uh, at that. And also, um, not to mention – um, you know, at the same time, I mean, Adam, we dominate on the international stage. I mean, we do. I mean, the worst bit of criticism that this team receives now is that they beat Taiwan by too many goals. Um, you know, like I can live with that. In fact, not that I could just live with that. I, I would encourage it. I, I want us to be doing that. I want us to be showcasing our ability at the highest level possible. And I want us to not let up in those instances. And that's, it's good to see the killer sports star instinct from our players. Um, and, and truly I watch football every Sunday. Um, you know, I mentioned I'm a, I'm a Pittsburgh sports fan. So I watch, you know, I watch baseball too. Um, <laughs> you know, that's what I want to see from my, from my athletes. I want passion. I want drive. I want competitiveness and I want uh, the will to succeed and, and the will to grow their game. And, and I see it every day. I, you know, Adam, I think the best way I can conceptualize this is that, you know, we've got two Japanese players who came here, hardly spoke any English whatsoever. Their agency provides English speaking ability and truly, you know, they've done, you know, I, I think they've done an okay job at that at best. But um, their, the ability to accept these players, I think, and really go out of our way um, and, and I'm talking specifically to the, you know, about the American women here who were born and raised here. And really, the bridge that was built to ingratiate those two players into not just local community, because like I said, we're working on stuff with the embassy of Japan, with, um, you know, the country of Japan are embracing these two players, Kumi and Sayori, and our team embraced them first, which was great to see. Um, and now, as a result, Japan is starting the Women's Empowerment League this year, which is so cool. But they're going to be doing it without these two players because we just signed Sayori, fortunately, and we have uh, Kumi on a multi-year deal. So um, we're thrilled. And the market potential to reach Japanese women here is just gigantic. There's a ton that live in the D.C. area. These are stars to them. Um, when, when we got a local Japanese technology firm to help us out in you know, creating this event, um, they were blown away when they talked to these uh, you know, young women. And, and they, 
they were blown away at their professional level, their maturity level, um, and they became fans. They were not fans before, but after talking to Kumi and Sayori um, and doing an interview in Japanese slash English was inspiring to them. Um, we know that there are more people willing to be inspired by this. We just have to get the media and get this content in front of their faces. Um, and we're doing a great job in doing so, thus far. Yeah, I love that. I mean, that you said it there. I mean, you want to inspire uh, business leaders and, um, you know, even at the youth level and fans. So um, for those who want to work in, you know, at a women's league and, and be inside the women's sport, whether that's male, female, um, you know, talk about the mission and talk about advice you would give to somebody, you know, whether that's incoming freshman or graduating senior who wants to work in uh, the sports industry. Yes, yeah, so I would tell everybody it, it, it's the same sort of mentality you take to getting a job in really in any industry. You have to get your resume out there. Give yourself at-bats, as many at-bats as you can possibly get. Now, your average baseball game, you know, if you bat in the top of the lineup, you may get four at-bats. You should be getting – if, re- if you really want to work in sports, anyone, and this is just a general you, um, you know, this will be – you know, it's got to be something that you pull yourself into. The passion's got to come out of your resume, and the, you know, ability – has to just kind of ooze from you that you're interested, you want to have the challenge, you want to accept the challenge. And truly, um, you know, you want to, I mean, it, it, you you want to show that you are just the right piece that fits into the puzzle that is a professional sports organization. <coughs> Excuse me. But that means at bats, Adam. It means get the resume out there to as many Uh, groups as you can and that includes outside of this area you know show and get involved and volunteer at the youth level coach uh, you know officiate make connections um you know of people that work for organizations you know connect with people on linkedin market yourself um truly at the at the end of the day the biggest advocate for you is you um and you have to be confident that if this is an industry you want to work in and excel in that people have to be able to read that from a resume and read it from your words and, and be able to discern that from, you know, the language that you're using to describe yourself and describe how excited you are about the opportunity. Um, you know, and then just have a passion and, you know, truly, you know, at the end of the day, you know, if you can latch yourself on to something that's important and something that you know is important and you treat it every day, like it's important, then, um, you know, I think success personally will follow. Um, but really, you have to take yourself seriously, your job seriously. And really, um, you, I mean, you have to look at it, you know, uh, at, at, you know, at face value. Like I mentioned when we first started is that, you know, there really hasn't been much success for women at the professional level as far as sports go. We had to, you know, institute Title IX at the college level to help make that happen. But we can't institute Title IX at the professional level because it's not – you know, an NCAA-like association, and we, and we can't do that. But um, the quickest way to do that is, like I said, we need companies involved. We need key people involved. Um, we need, uh, you know, we need all the young women to be playing, you know, all sports, of course, but we need them to stay interested in soccer, and we need to do things to keep them interested in soccer. Um, because at the end of the day, it's, 
you know, you could have one coach that deters a player from who truly has the potential to be great, you know, deter them from playing at all. Um, and we want to be encouraging, you know, young players, pushing them. And we want them to know that there are goals and there is an end goal now. And it's, it's called the NWSL. Um, and, and, and at the end of the day, that's where, that's where we want young girls and, and, and young women to be looking towards as they're, you know, going to sleep at night where they're dreaming about, you know, scoring a goal for the national team. We want that dream to start in an NWSL uniform and then evolve into a U.S. Women's National Team uniform. Patrick, that was awesome, man. I love it. Uh, you couldn't have said it any better. Uh, that was awesome. I couldn't. That, that was great uh, contents. And, yeah, there is a lot of things going on with the women's game. And definitely, definitely it is here to stay and a bright future ahead. Yep. Yep, Adam. Hey, look, thank you for having me. Thank you for um, interviewing Bree because, look, and she'll, she'll be the first to tell you this. I was the first to, uh, you know, think that she was extremely smart and could add a ton of value to our organization. And so the next time you have her on or the next time you talk to her, ask her that because I hope she says me because she knows it's me. And, <laughs> and, and, and look, keep, keep doing what you're doing keep making introductions to people that work in sports in the area and, and, you know, anything we can do to um, ingratiate you further, you know, into this, uh, you know, tight knit sports community, we will, we will uh, not hesitate to do so my friend. Patrick, I love it. And uh, I appreciate it. We could definitely go on and on, um, but we definitely keep the conversation uh, going for sure. Yes sir. yes, sir. Well, let me know. I'd love to be back on.